Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. They should have been fired a long time ago. I think we got a show. Oh yeah, we got a show. We definitely got a show. Oh yeah! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. A couple of special in-studio guests. Iconic sports broadcaster, Hall of Famer, Mark Patrick, and his son, Major League Baseball pitcher, Drew Storen, friend of the show. Drew's been in several times with us. Mark, I think the only time you've done a show with us was on that podcast uh, a long time ago. Oh, yeah. You, you drove us downtown in your big yellow beast of a truck. Right, because you you sent the limo for everybody else. I, I did. And then, I just and then you text me and said, "Hey, what time can you pick me up?" <laughs> okay, well, I knew that you Thanks. didn't. I knew that you didn't drink, so I figured, well, I got a sober driver for the night. Oh, limo guy doesn't doesn't <laughs> stay no, sober. I, I use the lo- I never use. The I'm limo. shocked at the story of Nigel doing something half-assed. I can't believe that. That's that's shocking. It's not like you know that happens all the yeah, time. It happens you know. every day. It happens every day. Well, congratulations, Mark, on your uh, induction into the Indiana Broadcasters Hall of Fame. I can imagine Thanks. what that means to you and and Drew. Watching your dad get inducted like that. Can you just talk a little bit about? And boy, what a class too! Mark Boyle, voice of the Pacers, the late Robin Miller. It was uh, quite a class, right? Um, and what was cool is earlier this year, Drew uh, was inducted into the Indiana High School Baseball Hall of Fame. Okay, yeah, congratulations. So, yeah, thanks. You so know, what? I don't want to brag, but I had a buck eighty four batting average in high school, Drew. So I think I may or may not have been able to turn on your fastball. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, I mean that. You did it that's, a what, times. that's one of my favorite things in life. I, you know, I think I could hit. I think I could hit those guys. <laughs> weren't you? Rob, I couldn't play wait, catch wait, with wait, 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 Hold on. Don't you and Rob Kendall talk about this sometimes? Like, if if it, if you practiced for like six weeks, could you hit? What's the, no, what's the what's more likely to happen? Like, could you play on special teams in the NFL for one day and survive, or hit a major league baseball if you had like a week's worth? What's the first thing likely to happen? And I said you playing can, special teams. Well, yeah, you can run. You can run from guys right. on special teams. <laughs> right. Like you could, if you were on a kickoff, you could run the opposite direction. Right. Rob was trying to tell me if he just squared up the bunt. No. Even if he closed his eyes. <laughs> See, he's and got just tried no to make idea. contact. Drew. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you'd I hit see. him, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Please, please tell please me you'd hit him. Oh, Rob oh yeah, you always have to. You'd have to do a John Cruck there out of the gate, and then it would be forever <laughs> ruined. Uh, buzz the tower, and there's no chance. But yeah, it's it's certainly way, way, way harder, and even harder than that than it looks on TV. But I can't. I couldn't catch him at 15. Really? Yeah. You'd be out in the front yard or the backyard, the well, store in residence. Yeah. You're yeah. squatting on and the bucket. Like, it's like, okay, this is, this is over. When did you know you had it, Drew? I mean, when did you know? When did did it click? Was there a moment when it said, oh, okay, this is it? No, I kind of just had my head down in the sand. I was really just trying to walk on and play at Purdue. And then that, that next summer, some uh, bigger school coaches started talking to me. I'm going, okay, I might have a chance to go somewhere. And then I go to Stanford. I'm like, okay, this is great. I got drafted out of high school. But I knew that that still doesn't mean anything, right? So I go to Stanford and I'm like, okay, maybe I can position myself to get a nice signing bonus and get my foot in the door there and did that. Yeah. And just, you know, I, I try to t- take it a step at a time, understand that long game of it, right? Like if you get caught up 
you know, you got to have the right trajectory, but at the same time, just, you know, take it a day at a time. Every cliche that we say in interviews is there for a reason. Right, right. But your high school team had other dudes that made it to the show. So, like, I kind of get it, like, where if you don't know how good you are, but you're surrounded by other dudes that are also as good as you. It's crazy. And, uh, you know, I told dad this and I tell everybody this now that I'm on the dad side of things. It's incredible to think about that I ever made it. Um, just because you see how long of a journey that it takes and how many kids are doing it, not to mention around the world. Right. And then to think three guys from Brownsburg that all played That's together. That's a squad. Yeah, I mean, you like guys had a squad. Yeah, so it's pretty insane to think about. But to your point, like if you don't know any better and you just keep playing and they, you know, until they tell you to take the jersey off, then sometimes it works out. Where was your favorite place to play? Like, was there anything good about Toronto? Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, well, Toronto was really cool as a city. Yeah. Uh, my performance wasn't that great, so it didn't really. I didn't love the city for that reason. Uh, but it, it was a cool place. Like it was much bigger, um, and it you know it was it was much different than any city I'd ever really been to before. Uh, I would say DC was my favorite place to play, just because yeah. we were kind of like a fan base. Yeah. Well, we were kind of and we we're kind of like the Colts when I first got there. So you know, people came to our games initially in 2010 when I got called up to watch the other team. And then by the time, you know, I left, we were getting 40,000 a night. So we, we became, we were the second team all along. And then we became everybody's favorite team, no matter what. It was awesome. I can say this because I am a fan, but is Wrigley Field a dump? (laughs) (laughs) From a player's perspective, it is so much fun to be out there on the field. Yes. Um, But yeah, the visitor's clubhouse is obviously the last thing they renovated. (laughs) So I never saw that. Um, And it is pretty tight quarters. So you kind of, you have guys eating right behind you when you're changing completely <laughs> naked. So you got to be careful. Um, and, and there's always a bunch of people in the clubhouse there. So it's always jammed in there. But yeah, it's, it's really uh, from a, when you're pitching there, it's so neat because it is like a movie where it's just the hitter and the catcher and everybody illuminated and the right. fans are, everybody's dark. So it's kind of cool. Hey, Mark, back to you. Mm. Back to Mark Patrick, the iconic sports Sorry, I was catching a nap. Come on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's so mean. Um, That's a power but, dad move, right? Oh, there. yeah. Hall no. of Fame, does it, I mean, big deal, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. What did, so what was that like? What did that mean to you? Well, what was cool is to be in the same company as the people I idolized when I was growing up, you know? When you think, uh, maybe I can do that, and... Um, you know, so many of them are at a level that you never really think you can can reach. Don Fisher, for example. Sure. You know, and and for him to be there that night, that that was everything. And was you've got a cool. chance to do so many different cool things. You've done, you know, national radio, sports on television. You hosted a game show. I mean, you've ran the gamut of everything here. When you look back on it, I mean, you raised, you know, a great family. You got a major leaguer. When you look back on everything, do you ever think, man, my life has been pretty crazy? No. None? No. I mean, I think it's like, um, like anything else, you always think there's something more you know, it's like, oh, I got that, but I think I could have done this or I could have done that. Because I hear McAfee all the time say, I can't believe I lived this crazy life. I've done this and I've done that. And I look at your resume and again, I'm a broadcast nerd. This is what I've always wanted to do. And I'm like, man, this guy's done it all. Uh, yeah. Maybe. And you got the grandbabies yeah. now. You're yeah, well, that's, that's, right? yeah, that's, 
tough to be. You know what you always, like, I, I look at, at Drew's career, and I think, man, there couldn't be any more pressure on earth than, you know, being a, a major league reliever and, and some of the games you pitched. I've, I've watched a bunch of them, man, and it doesn't look easy. But, man, your dad, Drew, Mark, you, you made broadcasting look so... I, and I know it wasn't the case. You were so smooth and such yeah. such a quality broadcaster. It looked so natural and easy to you, whether it was Wish TV or Who's Your Millionaire or or even the, the characters and stuff you called in on Bob and Tom. It, it just seemed easy to you. Am I wrong about that? Mm. Because I, this is hard for me right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm having uh, this. Th- this job to me is hard. Yeah, because mostly because I grew up playing uh, records. This sounds you know? weird, but I uh, there were moments, especially in um, when you have your own talk radio show, yeah. that it was the most painful thing I ever had to do. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Because I feel you then. I yeah. Because you know, bit. if you're coming up on a segment. And you got no callers, and um, you got to fill. You know, you're like, I'm just. I I never was of the opinion that anybody cared about what I had to say. So I was always uh, somebody that, at least in that format, I wanted guests because I figured I want to talk to the guy that knows more about the Colts than I do. Absolutely. I want to talk to uh, the woman who covers the Pacers on a daily basis. I want to find out from an IU beat writer what's going on down there because I can't be there at practice like they are. But there's still the flip side of that coin, though, that your fans want to know what you think, too. And that's what you See, do. See, I don't know. Because you have fans. Like, yeah. yeah, that's the thing. People, like, they were Mark Patrick fans. Who, I'm sorry, I don't follow what you're saying. <laughs> well, you were saying that nobody cares what I think. And I yeah. don't think you understand how many people were Mark uh, Patrick fans. Well, maybe. I, but I, I just, uh, I always felt like um, letting somebody else, I, I always believed in the, in the uh, Johnny Carson way. Let other guys be funny. And, yeah. and, and I always thought that uh, yes. when I was on with Bob and Tom, and more so when I was competing against Bob and Tom, I would always have people go, hey, did you hear Bob and Tom today? <laughs> well, I don't know if you noticed, but I have a little morning show. And these would be people that I was working with. <laughs> right. Would come in right. and go, hey, into the studio and say, hey, did you hear Bob and Tom today? No, no, we got a little show here. Um, <laughs> but uh, generally what would follow was something that was hilarious from the show but it was rarely Bob or Tom. Yes. The because they were gifted in using everyone. And and not necessarily comedians, but but they were really from the Johnny Carson school of, you know, whoever was on Carson the next day, people would say, Did you see Johnny Carson last night? Love well, that it philosophy. May have, you know, it could have been Burt Reynolds, it could have been anybody. But they saw as Johnny Carson and I always I so I I really followed that tried to follow yeah. that philosophy can we take a little time out here and bring you guys back because I want to ask Drew about the Field of Dreams bourbon we had you in studio a couple months back during the summertime mm-hmm. when it was here in Indy and I want to see how the business model is growing a little bit can we Great. do that absolutely all right coming right back we got Mark Patrick we got Drew Storen we're live on the YouTube stream it's the Hammer and Nigel show whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
the Hammer and Nigel show. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nige is here. Boo. Hall of Fame broadcaster Mark Patrick is here. And Major League Baseball player and entrepreneur <laughs> Drew Storin is here. How's the uh, Field of Dreams going along? Amazing. Thanks to you guys. I really appreciate you guys having me on to help launch this Absolutely. thing. It's, uh, it's a, I, we were just at Bourbon Fest the other day and had a ton of people. You guys were probably the league leader and uh, heard, John, <laughs> heard John Hammer and Nigel. Oh, right so on. I appreciate so that So this is the much. bourbon company that you yeah. own, the product, where the wheat and the barley and the corn and all that stuff comes from the Field of Dreams. Yeah, just the, yeah we just take the corn uh, so far. Um, but yeah, we, we say it's the most famous corn in the world. So we take, uh, we take that and tell authentic baseball stories. Our first bottle release was 22,860 bottles. Bottles, one bottle for every guy that's ever made to the major leagues. And uh, yeah. we've sold all those into distribution. There's um, a handful left on shelves. Um, and then actually your best chance to get it will be this weekend, pay less event at their East Street store. I'll be there signing some of those as well. But uh, that is probably the last big batch until next year. And it, you volunteered to uh, give us a little something to help out you know, some Hoosiers in need. We're raising money for the Salvation Army tomorrow, and you're going to kick in one of these special bottles. Yeah, so what we've done, we, we've we sold every bottle, including my own player number bottle, 19,736, into distribution, except for one through 100. So we are giving those towards charitable causes, including uh, we're giving four bottles to the Negro League Museum, 542, 10, and 14, um, and then we'll auction those off to benefit. So I thought with what you guys are doing tomorrow, I'll give bottle number 93, and you can uh, give it, it to the biggest donor. That's awesome. And I've had the bourbon. I'm not just saying this to blow smoke up your backside because you're here. It's really good. Thank you. Like, we know, you know, what bad booze tastes like because that's usually all we drank when we were growing up but that is so good man oh, thank you and yeah. the thing is i was talking to your dad mark patrick is here and, and mark has never taken a sip of alcohol in his life and i'm like did you even try it did you even try your son's whiskey he's like what what's the point like, what, like i know <laughs> and that i mean I, I could drink it and say this is the greatest drink i've ever had <laughs> and it would be true right but you know on the other hand i yeah what's next drew so our plan uh since you know people fell in love with the uh, player number idea, uh, we're going to run uh, our player two batch next year around opening day. So it'll be twenty three thousand one hundred fifteen bottles since two hundred fifty five guys were added to rosters this year. And then we're also going to do some small batch releases. So we're going to take the proof up a little bit more on that. Um, yeah, do some kind of fun ones that uh, tell different stories on top of just our, our player number one. How much work? Like, what's your work day like? It feels like there's a lot of stuff going on here. There is a ton of moving parts to this. Uh, luckily, we have a small team, but we, we got good firepower. So uh, I I roll in, you know, I'm about there nine to, nine to three to four. Um, about every day, just sorting through all kinds of things. I I try to lean as much as I can into the creative side because that's where my strength is. So yeah. luckily we have a great ops guy. And, uh, you know, like I said, I like making the fun stuff. Uh, right before Mark Patrick, by the way, uh, inducted into the Broadcast Hall of Fame, you mentioned Don Fisher, a uh, longtime voice of the Indiana Hoosiers. We're going to be talking to him. Now he's here. coming up at uh, 4.30. 4.30, right. Before we get out of here, can you give us one of your famous? Because I, I, t- I remember asking Fish one time on the air, I go, uh, who, who, who does the best impression? Who does the best fish impression without hesitation? Mark Patrick. Mark Patrick. I was wondering maybe mm. if you could give us a little, a little fish. No. Okay. But. Uh, <laughs> Come all on right, it. Mark Drew. Thank you for joining yeah. us here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. <laughs> Fantastic dynamite finish. I'm just serious. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I thought if somebody wanted to hear a particular voice, 
if they would request it and give us a donation for tomorrow. Ah, okay. Okay. Because okay. both of you are trying to raise money for the Salvation Army. Correct. Okay. So if you want to do that, we'll I'll do a couple requests and you can make some money for tomorrow for okay. the Salvation Army. All right. Does that sound reasonable? I think so. We got to hit a break here. Yeah, well, absolutely. If it doesn't work, I'll just write a check. Okay. <laughs> He'd rather write a check than do his Don Fisher impression for us? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> there it is! That's all I needed right there! I'd get some through the night, Mark. Well, yeah. You know, just being able to say Nigel Laskowski <laughs> reminds me of John Laskowski and the 1976 Osier team that went undefeated because it was just magic in the air in Bloomington, Indiana, especially when the Osiers played the Hawkeyes. There it is. Well done. Well done. Man. Just uh, all pronounce the H's. Thank you. Okay, that's how you do it, Mark Patrick and Drew Storm. Thank you guys Back so much for coming Back to my fashionable in. northeast side condo. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are the best. Thank, yeah, you. thank you. God you bless you guys. You guys. It's the Amory Nigel Show.